son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Welcome. It's been a long time. Finally, we're back. It is the PFF forecast live after Sunday Night Football, kind of Sunday Night Football, preseason. It's preseason for everybody, except for those of us that bet the second half under. It was not preseason for us. <laughs> um, thankfully, missed PAT there at the end. We're going to talk week one. We're going to do some predictions for week one. We're going to talk about all the injuries that sadly happened in this um, final preseason week. Uh, and then talk about some of the rookies, because there's been some interesting, obviously all the quarterbacks, but also Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell, who have not played particularly well in the preseason. Um, we should start by saying that uh, while football is here, it's mm-hmm. nice that football is is back. Um, definitely are thinking about everyone in New Orleans uh, that is dealing with like just a few days yeah. uh, after the, the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, another terrible storm. So it was sort of like this strange thing where Drew Brees is in his first year not playing for the Saints, and Hurricane Katrina was the last year Brees didn't play for the Saints. That's right. And so it's like uh, it was sort of like I think a lot of uh, uh, bad memories, of course. Um, hopefully our, our prayers and thoughts are with uh, the folks in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast in general. Hopefully the worst is avoided. Yeah, that is crazy, actually, to think about. Um, that was a long time ago. Um, let's. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with injuries? Do you want to start with week one? Should we talk a little bit about um, the injuries here? Yeah, I mean, it was a rough weekend, I think, comparatively speaking to some of the other ones, right? We had key contributors for teams, um, not necessarily out for the season in a lot of cases, but, um, but we'll miss, I think, important time. Well, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, who the season. from all indications was having a fantastic camp, was looking very good. Um, big part of that run game that I think is different for the Ravens than it is for most teams. So that one wasn't great. It does sound like it's even worse than just a simple ACL, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, not great for uh, one of the Ravens' top two picks last year. Then um, Irv Smith, your guy, Irv Smith. He looked great the other day. He was the highest-graded Vikings offensive player. Um, probably almost first month or so. 
could be potentially more, yeah. So if you're looking at Minnesota right now, right, the easiest part of their schedule is the beginning. And they're on offense going to be without Irv Smith, first-round pick Christian Derrissaw, um, Wyatt Davis, who was a draft pick that they wanted to start, mm-hmm. not ready to start. Adam Thielen banged up after preseason week two. Justin Jefferson hasn't practiced since the AC joint injury. You're already not good at wide receiver after that. those two guys. So you're thinking if you're a, a Vikings fan, you're looking forward to that first month or, or so because you have a relatively favorable schedule and now sort of no one <laughs> no one's there for you. Um, it could spell the beginning of the end, I think, for the Vikings, unfortunately. Wow. Fighting words. I mean, what do you want me like? Came out swinging. Yeah, and then they they got the Harrison Smith deal done, which is good for Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith. Yeah. Board. What was your take on that deal, by the way? That's a big extension for. Yeah, there are outs there, but again, it's another example of the Vikings not understanding that their window is probably closed. Right, like they continue to try to put the band back together, put the band back together. Uh, they did it with Kyle Rudolph last year, I think. They did it with Linval Joseph a couple years ago. And, like, these deals just are, like, at this point, like, you only have so many valuable assets that other teams are going to want to trade for. And Harrison Smith was one of them. I mean, Harrison Smith, since joining the NFL in 2012, is the second most valuable safety in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Almost, more than three wins above replacement. Devin McCourty is the only guy who has more. And since Mike Zimmer took over the Vikings in 2014, he's first. Um, you know, a- along with guys like McCourty, Tyron Matthew, Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins, by the way, signed for a lot less than this when he went back to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Vikings not even really looking at the comparable markets either. Um, it's just a, probably a frustrating thing if you're looking to the Vikings' future. Yeah, so since um, since Zimmer took over, he has only graded outside of the top 15 at his position once. Um over the past four seasons, he's been either he's been first, then he was thirteenth, then third, and then last year fourteenth, which is actually his lowest PFF grade um, since Zimmer took over. So it's an interesting time to pay a guy that much yeah. money, um, make him the second highest paid safety in the NFL, which is what they did. Um, other news: He's also the sixth oldest safety in the NFL. So like, there's there's a little bit of that too. Um, look, we're not going to judge people based on age. Yeah, sure. not going to do that. Not going to do that here on sure. this podcast. Um, I guess a couple of other um, newsworthy points here. Some some starting quarterbacks that were named, um, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick, officially of my Washington football team, is now the quarterback there. We've got Jameis starting in New Orleans. Um, the Jameis starting in New Orleans thing is nice to see. Do you are you updating your um, New Orleans? takes all their t- their win total at nine no right i i t- we'll talk about the eagles in a second for them and the eagles i'm on their under but i the the quarterback situation has me paying attention i'm not like i i'm not going to be as easily dismissive of their straights this year um but i'm not necessarily like i i still think it's a tall climb for Jameis to get to be over a 500 quarterback and so especially with that supporting cast. Now, you look at the Saints, though, defensively, they're good. They're nowhere near as deep as they were last year, right? You you kind of lopped off one good player from, like, sort of every level of the mm-hmm. defense. Mm-hmm. Brian Poole just got injured. Patrick Robinson retired. Um, uh, Marshawn Lattimore has a suspension, I believe. Um, 
you lost Janoris Jenkins. On the defensive line, you lost Trey Hendrickson. Dan, uh, David Anyamata's suspended early on. Um, so you lose, like, a lot of the depth that made that defense great last year. Uh, on offense, you still have a great offensive line. You have a great offensive play caller. You have no weapons other than Marquez Callaway, who I think, like, has to prove, obviously, that he's a receiver that can play the whole season really well. That's kind of scary. Yeah, Last yeah, time we yeah. saw James Winston, he had Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. And now he has Marcus Callaway. And he and was very good, other than the interception. Other than but, the yeah. interception. Minor detail. Um, I mean, he's looked really good in preseason, but it's preseason for a reason. Um, the other quarterback uh, move that I thought was interesting, and I'm curious because I don't know, we actually haven't really talked about this one, but the Eagles trading for Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Should Gardner Minshew start in Philadelphia? I think he will eventually, yeah. How long do you think that takes? Uh, like, why wouldn't it be week one? Well, because he probably doesn't know the offense. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think, has the locker room's attention. Like, I think people respect Jalen Hurts in the locker room, that kind of thing. Um, but I think what this is going to do, we talked about this off air, but, like, I think Flacco's the backup. I think if a game goes pear-shaped or, or Jalen Hurts gets hurt – Flacco's going to go in, but I don't think Flacco starts a game for the Eagles this year. You know what I mean? And I think by the time this, like, this is covering their asses in case Hurts is bad or gets hurt, and there's like 12 games left on the schedule, and they're like, well, I don't want to develop Joe Flacco for 12 games. Let's go ahead and develop Gardner Minshew. I, I still think, though, Minshew probably needs a little bit of time behind hurts to develop i guess i don't know to develop well not to develop but like he needs to learn the offense he can't just go out there week one can he i don't know i i here's the interesting thing about that move is gardner Minshew has played on a really bad team for his first couple of seasons in the nfl right i mean the jaguars Mm -hmm. have been absolutely terrible and they've had no offensive line They've had scattered weapons here and there. They've had very, you know, not a great coaching situation. It would be interesting, though, now he's on a team with some weapons. You know, I mean, Devontae mm-hmm. Smith, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, like some guys that can make some plays. you got Miles Sanders there. Um, offensive line is not, you know, not as strong as it's been in the past, but it's also not the worst offensive line in the NFL. You know, there's some there's some players there. And Gardner Minshew is accurate with the football. Yeah. You think about Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, guys that can get open, make some moves after the catch. If if you bet the under on the Eagles win total. I'm nervous. You're gonna be a little nervous. You're That's a little kind nervous. of my point, right? You're a little nervous. You're, I think are you more nervous? You're more nervous now than you were a few yeah, days ago. Of course, but like because the tail risk of having Joe Flacco play all the time was was certainly (laughs) there. But, like, if you are Nick Sirianni, you're also a little happy, right? If you have a Sirianni first coach fired ticket. I do. You're you're a little nervous. Well, you were – it's a long shot bet to begin with, but you're, like, not all that happy, right? Because, like, the fact of the matter is there are two quarterbacks this year now for the Eagles for whom you could come out of the season somewhat enthusiastic. Right, like if Hertz plays all seventeen games or some big subset of that, and is okay, well, that's good, right? If Gar- if Gardner Minshew does, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have to grind through some Joe Flacco starts, that would suck. But I don't think you have to anymore. 
I think Flacco, again, is going to stay on the roster as a backup. But it's very much of the, you know, is sort of, I can't remember, like, the, the there were these circumstances that always happen where, like, I told you the one where it was, like, Alex Smith, then David Carr, then Troy Smith. David Carr, like, would come in, and, and but then, like, when they were ready to bench Alex Smith, they went to Troy Smith for the last, like, five games. The last uh, pre uh, Harbaugh Niners year. Uh, I remember it was like uh, Mike McMahon was the same way where like, you know, the Eagles had Coy Detmer behind McNabb and then McNabb got hurt. And like, well, fuck, we just got it. We're going to start this young guy because, you know, we have to find out what we have in him. I think that's going to be the case. Hopefully. I mean, no one wants to see Flacco play games this year, but, and I think that that alleviates you from the chance. I, I, I would love to see Joe Flacco play games this year. That's the content I'm here for. I'm very much here to see Gardner Minshew play, though. Like I, I thought that was you know we've. Yeah, it's the Eagles. The Eagles Eagles are going to stink, though, right? Yeah, but it's super. I'm trying to get inside. I'm trying to think about the Eagles' perspective on it, and is it because if you're the Eagles and Jalen Hurts is not good. I actually do want Joe Flacco to start because I want Spencer Rattler. I want whoever yeah, quarterback yeah. wants. I mean, th- so it's interesting to me to be like, yeah, let me bring in Gardner Minshew who raises our floor unless you think he's got legit, you know, ability to be a starting quarterback. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you answer that question here in a second. I will say this. That if Gardner Minshew plays well, his mentality, the fact that he wears like the American flag pants or shorts or whatever whatever pantaloons whatever you want to call them pantalones it's gonna, yeah it's going to resonate so well in philadelphia that could actually turn like because think about it if, if hurts is not good and then flacco plays like yeah. it's going to be a absolute when, when mcmahon played in philly jim mcmahon played in philly he was adored and he was not very good but they had a great defense and he was he wore a bandana under his helmet he was just fiery he would take hits and like I feel like Minshew is sort of like a McMahon character, right? Where he's not, the, he doesn't have the greatest tools in the world. But like no one's ever gonna be like, God, I hate watching Minshew play football. Like no one's like that. If you go to um, PFF.com right now, there are a couple of new tools that you can go take a look at. One of them is futures bets um, on PFF.com. You can see what our simulations um, would tell you to do. Uh, for you know um win totals uh making the playoffs winning division titles winning conference championships all those different things um you look at i'm looking at the nfc east right now a couple of takes for you You ready um you've talked about ryan fitzpatrick right you're not totally enamored with ryan fitzpatrick and and fairly so okay Mm -hmm. super super volatile wild card daniel jones he didn't. He was middle of the pack in PFF grade last year. Yeah, it was an improvement, but also like the Giants weren't that great. You know, they weren't that great last year. Uh, defense was something that carried them. And then the Cowboys. The Cowboys uh, vibe that I'm getting from Hard Knocks worries me tremendously. I'm not exactly pumped about it. I'm just saying a Gardner Minshew. The Eagles were left for dead, and Gardner Minshew comes and keeps them yeah. in, in competition. In the NFC East, I there's don't no think way it's ridiculous. You, there's no way a sane person would bet. So I've said this a number of times on on different shows and stuff. But like the the Cowboys should be the favorite in the NFC East, but they 
but there's no way I'd bet them at price. Like there's no way this thing is too flat for me um, to, to really have, you know, have, have a Cowboys, you know, to be heavy on the Cowboys. The problem the is, Eagles is like, are six plus six sixty to win the division. Yeah, that seemed I don't know. That's not a bad bet. I'll say that. What? Well, well, where do we have them again? Is it like fourteen percent? Yeah, we have about thirteen percent. So one in one it's, in. It's, it's basically dead on. Yeah. Well, look at look at our look at our model. I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in on it. Uh, uh, let's let's move okay. ahead to. Um, well, some week well, we one had stuff. one more. We had one more. I think that's big, and this ties into the Carson Wentz being healthy. Shock right. Lesson. So so Carson Wentz is healthy. This number went from at the beginning it was Indy minus two and a half week one. Now it was Seattle minus two and a half week one. Now it's about a pick, but then we find out today T.Y. Hilton's out for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam Tevy backup tackle out for the year with an ACL. Already dealing with some bull. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it with the Colts. Right? Like I, I just, it, it's just something all the time with this team and like i i like the way i like chris ballard i like some of the things they're doing there but man this is tough and like this is in addition to the fact that like wentz being kind of back to where he was in 19 is baked into a lot of this indianapolis positivity i just like if he doesn't have ty hilton like where's he going with the ball okay i've got some i i wanted to talk about the colts because we're going to make some predictions for week one and talk about some bets and maybe some teasers. Who knows? We'll do that in just one second, though. I mentioned the new futures tool on PFF that also comes with the new power rankings tool. All of the um, weekly proje- uh, projections for against the spread, total, money line, all live on PFF.com. And you can get it all for 30% off, plus every single fantasy tool that you could possibly need to set you up for your draft. I, um, I need help. You know why I need help? Because Jalen Hurts was a keeper in one of my leagues. J.K. Dobbins, a keeper yeah. in one of my leagues. Um, and I'm kind of screwed. So PFF um, saved me there. Uh, kickoff30 is the promo code. Get 30% off. And uh, that means you can get all of uh, the premium content, all the fantasy tools that you need for just $7 or get all the betting tools for just a little bit more. 30% off with promo code KICKOFF30. Also, Fantrax rhymes with... Fantrax. Yes. Um, it's... Uh, a deadly combination if you're looking for a place to host your fantasy football league um it's great they have multi-team trades player salaries contract options the whole deal it's super sweet easy to use um and uh completely free as well use promo code pff at fantrax.com pff and get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league plus six thousand dollars uh what game would you go to uh I kind of want to go to Baltimore, KC. That'd be kind of sweet. I've never been to that stadium either. That'd be cool. Um, See, it'd be tempting if you're going to get six thousand dollars. It'd be tempting to go to Vegas because with six thousand dollars, you yeah. could like buy lunch. Yeah. Well, there there is like an interesting <laughs> aspect to this. Not to get too in the weeds, but like there are some cities where I would just pay price to go to a game. So Kansas City is one of them. Yeah. Very inexpensive for a team that, that that's that good. Um, but like, I wouldn't go, I would never like pay six grand to go to a Bengals game. It's like 30 bucks just to like, you can just walk in. Right. New York city. 
I've never been to MetLife. I think that'd be kind of cool. It would be not in New York City. You do know that, right? Yeah, but like, sure. But like, you go to <laughs> New York City, you hang out for a while. Yeah. You, you, you hobble over to East Rutherford, and then you're there, right? Um, the answer, by the way, is Brady in New England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one that, there's another stadium that I've always wanted to go to, but it's prohibitively expensive, and I never pay my own money to go there, and that's Chicago. Chicago is one of the most expensive tickets in football. I would never go there cool with my stadium. own money, but like I, cool I think if I had somebody else's money and, I, and it was a good, like Justin Fields' first start, that'd be kind of sweet. Yeah, in uh, 2022. Um, last but not least, DraftKings um, has you ready to rock for the NFL season, which is only a couple of weeks away. Use promo code PFF when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and make a deposit to get $200 of free bets instantly no matter what, as long as you bet $1 on any NFL game during week one of the season. It's very, very simple, super easy. Plus, they have um, a ton of big game and same game parlays that you can get um, great odds boosts on. So go to DraftKings.com uh, or download the DraftKings Sportsbook now. It's a great sportsbook app. Use promo code PFF and receive $200 worth of free bets. Do it now for a limited time only. This uh, is available at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more information. If you have a game, problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. Week one. By the way, our own Ben Brown is going to write an article on those same game parlays relatively soon. They are a very interesting math problem and something that I think uh, folks should, uh, should like. I'm excited. Uh, the correlation is very interesting. Okay, let's get into week one here because we're two weeks away. Normally on Sunday night, you and I guess the lines. We're way past guessing the lines of these games. I am very excited for our first night of guessing lines. We're going to have to wait a couple of weeks. That said, people are going to start betting these games. They're going to start mm -hmm. hammering them into efficiency. You want to bet week one spreads and totals. Probably like chances are going to be fleeting here. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And the way that we want to do it is make some predictions about what the storylines are going to be mm -hmm. after week one. Now, you mentioned the Colts. I do, I do want to bring something up with the Colts. So the Colts are now plus two and a half. If you have a Seahawks teaser where they're eight and a half, you know, maybe you have it with the Bucks, maybe you have it with the Giants, yeah. our Giants. I am a proponent of a Colts teaser leg. I mean, you're you're banking on the fact that the Seahawks never play. Never play. It's going to be a close yeah. game. And and I'll say this: like Carson Wentz playing in this game, it, look, it's better than Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger. And the T.Y. Hilton thing sucks. Yes, it does. But they have a great offensive line. They have still have Michael Pittman. Um, and they have Frank Reich, and I have a lot of confidence in Frank Reich. And eight and a half points is too many points. So I'm not saying that the big storyline that I'm predicting coming out is like, oh my God, Carson Wentz is back. Mm -hmm. But I'm not predicting that it's like, oh my God, the Colts suck. Like, mm -hmm. I think this is going to be um, a close game. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah, I mean, and and there's plenty of of there's plenty to go around here, right? Like so. If you if you look at that game and you and I'm loaded up on Seattle, so I am thinking. I mean, the clear thing to do if you have a ton of Seattle and you're nervous, 
you just take the Colts money line at plus 120 or whatever, and you have a three-point middle where one of the mm-hmm. sides is plus money and the other side, you know, so like you have that. If you want a fat middle, you got to find another game to tease this with, right? And so your options are obviously Tampa Bay minus one and a half on opening night. You have Buffalo minus a half a point at home against Pittsburgh. That one's interesting. I think the market's starting to bet Pittsburgh a little bit. Um, you, you have New York football giants plus eight and a half at home. Yes. So that one's moved towards Denver. I think with the Bridgewater news, that total on that game, 42 and a half, by the way, that is the most teasable game in the, in the first slate. Now that new England is out to minus three at home against the dolphins. You also have LA down to LA down to one Kansas city down to a pick San Francisco down to one and a half. Um, all of those I think are fine. The, the hard thing, you know, the hard thing is again, like how, which one of those games, because the the storyline I want to sort of ask about Mm -hmm. is like, which one of these teams gets, gets upset in week one. And we're sort of like reevaluating whether, because like right now the favorites in the NFL, right. Out, you know, using our power rankings tool, Kansas city, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Green Bay, Baltimore, LA, and you know, Seattle, San Francisco, maybe Tennessee, which one of these teams loses outright week one, you know, taking away Cleveland because they're dogs in week mm-hmm. one, which which one of those teams loses outright week one and we're left, you know, much like the Colts when they lost to the Jags week one last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. we're left saying, is this team any good? I love, I love where your head's at. Okay, I have three that come to mind and I'm here for you to tell me um, which one you like best. But I think these are the three, okay? I'm gonna start with the biggest long shot to to pull off uh, an upset, even though it's only a three-point game, but they're at home, three-point spread, and that's the New Orleans Saints. With Jameis Winston and Sean Payton and a, a, a really good team. I mean, the, the Saints are a good team. They have some question marks, but they're at home. There's That's a legit home field advantage. And Jameis Winston playing the kind of football he hasn't made. He hasn't had a turnover-worthy play in this preseason. He is throwing the ball really well. Jameis Winston gets a rap of a guy that's like a journeyman bum quarterback. He was, and Mike Renner tweeted this out a couple um, or last week. He was the consensus number yeah. one guy. Like it was Luck and Lawrence and, and Winston were like consensus number one guys in that yeah. regard. Okay, so that's one. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. They're playing the Chicago Bears. Now, here's how it would have to happen. Andy Dalton has to get like the the flu or the COVID or something, the the Delta variant. Um, Because the way that they lose this game is Justin Fields comes in and, you know, has a little magic, makes a few plays. Yeah. But we've seen this, we've seen Bears, Rams so many times. It's it's going to be an uglier game than I think people are in. Total on it, the game 45. That is certainly something that um, is low for this week, right? Yep. Okay, last one. I, I told you I had three. Here's the last one. Um, Tennessee, three-point favorite at home, playing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think this is one. Everyone's very excited about Tennessee, and um, I would be, I'd be a little worried about an upset. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray healthy, as we saw last year, is a problem. The Tennessee 
Titans do not have a very good defense. The total on this game is 51 and a half, and I think for very good reason. The the Cardinals have a bunch of zone players playing defensive back, mm-hmm. and they like to run a lot of man. And if they try to do that, I think this game is going to be in the 50s or 60s. Um, but you're right. I mean, if that happens, certainly variants can hit. It, it gets again to this thing like, dude, after week one, let me let me let me ask you a question mm-hmm. here. Okay. Jacksonville are our three point away favorites in Houston. <laughs> Let's say they hold serve and win. Seattle, West Coast, East Coast beats Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Arizona upsets Tennessee in Tennessee. You have three teams in the AFC South that have all lost a home game. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville is one and one and on the road. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are going to overreact. Like there is going to be a fat number on Jacksonville in week two that we can bet against them because people are going to say, remember last year when Minshew and the mm-hmm. Jags beat Indy week mm-hmm. one as eight point underdogs, basically everybody's survivor pick going up in flames because that was the biggest spread right. week one of last year. And Jacksonville then remember in week two on the road in Tennessee covered. And then week three, which seems silly now that Miami won, you know, 10 games, but Miami was 0-2 going to going, maybe they were at home, but Jacksonville's a three-point favorite on Thursday Night Football and got rolled by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do How long do the Jags, or can the Jags keep this persistent? Because you think about this division, like I said, I'm not high on the Colts, like this season specifically. Tennessee, as you said, is extremely flawed, and Houston. Houston, I mean, what are they? So, like, it, it comes back to we always talk about how dysfunctional this thing could be with Urban Meyer, but Jacksonville, I think, has a shot to win this division. So, odds to win the AFC South, the Houston Texans are 32 to 1. Jacksonville Jaguars are plus 350, the Colts plus 190, and the Tennessee Titans plus 140. Um, Jacksonville's plus 350 now? Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Like, remember it was twelve to one. Yeah. Remember it was seven to one. Now it's three and a half to one. It was seven to two. I need to check to make sure this is the case. But like that, I just looked that up and I was stunned to see that. Especially how they played Monday night, right? Where they were kind of embarrassed by Jameis and company. Yes, embarrassed is the right word. But like we have Jacksonville, so this is interesting. If you look at our simulation, like Jacksonville is not a 500 team in our simulation, but they're damn close, and it's because they have the 31st best schedule in the NFL. Like only the Niners have an easier schedule per our metrics. I don't know where. By the way, on DraftKings, I see plus 650. Yeah, we have them at 22, percent which is you know basically what between three and four to one. So that makes more sense, right? Like that number. The nice um, thing about the um, futures tool on pff.com is you can adjust the lines. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to go do this uh, very quickly here. Yeah. So we have um, we have them. Yeah, 22%, which is, you know, 20% is one in five, so that they would give you four to one. It's a little bit better, worse than four to one. So. Um, yeah. So at plus 650 would be a nice, bet. Nice little value bet. Yeah. Because because again, like. Say this in blackjack, right? It's like doesn't matter what you have. Sometimes it matters what the dealer has. Mm. With with the Jags, like I don't care really what they have at some level. Like the fact is, Tennessee's extremely flawed. 
Indy's extremely flawed, and Houston's not trying to compete this year. So the thing, the the big thing is with Derrick Henry. You you know this is one place where I do think a running back can matter more than normal, which is not very much in the normal case. Which is if you're in a division where like you have this one physical trump card, which is him and then AJ Brown, maybe they just win the division by pounding the the six games they have in the AFC South and you know win the division with nine wins or something like that. But if they falter, right? No Arthur Smith. Mm. No, uh, they lost the right tackle. They their defense kind of stinks, and they're depending upon Brad Dupree and guys like that to get to get over the hill, get over the hump. I'm sorry, Jacksonville. I mean, again, like I don't mean I don't think I like them long term, but this particular year, Fan, it's huh? kind of crazy. I think I don't know. I no, I I agree with you. I, so I think there's um, a, a cool prediction is to think about where the rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how they're because everyone has been overanalyzing what their preseason has looked like and we'll talk about that at, at, to close this out in just a second but I'm very interested in the order of them after week one and I think it's it's going to be because we know they're actually going to play between Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence right uh, both on the road Zach Wilson is going to Carolina Trevor Lawrence is going to Houston so advantage there, obviously, Trevor Lawrence gets to play against Houston. Um, they're actually a favorite. But what's been really cool to see with this preseason is what I think, and I've talked about this a little bit, the New York Jets have a coherent offensive strategy <laughs> that I think will be very beneficial. I'm not as confident with that for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And so while the New York Jets, I think, will um, – look, that's one of our favorite bets – um, Jets plus four and a half over 43 and a half in Carolina. Um, I would not be surprised if after week one, we're going, oh my God, like Zach Wilson's the real deal. Now that all said, it's going to be one week yeah. and Zach Wilson is a smaller guy. I think what you're really curious about is not By the way that can- total is up to 43 and a half. I was yep. up from 43, which we talked about previously but i think like the week one you know where everyone comes in fresh like this is zach wilson's time to shine he's been incredible um in in this preseason if you look at you know pff grading for which you can get at pff.com mac jones has a 93 pff grade zach wilson 86 pff grade and then trevor lawrence 78 pff grade um i mean wilson has been has been quite impressive as has mac jones this is the so last year green line week one uh i don't even i think it i think we actually weren't that great week one last year um week one last year was kind of a wonky one yeah, yeah. car Derek carr and the raiders were like three and a half point favorites on the road against bridgewater who i think is a much better quarterback than sam darnold by the mm-hmm. way like i'm lo- like we're all sober about bridgewater but he's fucking better than sam darnold so you know, Carr went in there, 73% completion, eight yards per attempt, a touchdown. They won the game outright. You know, covered the spread too. Like, this is not like a vaunted place to play week one, okay? Um, I think Wilson – you know, the hard part is the Jets' defense is probably not going to be very good. They do have a dominant player in Quinton Williams. Um, C.J. Mosley's back at linebacker, which, like, you know, that's a crappy signing, but at least he's there now. Um 
And obviously Carolina's got some good players. Somebody tweeted out today, and I'm like going through and muting all these like fantasy people. But before I did that, somebody's like, if we're high on Terrace Marshall and we're high on DJ Moore and we're high on uh, Robbie Anderson, then why aren't we high on Sam Darnold? I'm like, you're this close. Fucking close, because I think you're just high if you're high on Sam Darnold, and like, like Sam Darnold sucks. Like this, this is not this is not rocket science, and he might play well, right? But he'll play well in that sort of like way that gets Joe Brady a job and gets Darnold a contract extension, and then eventually gets Matt Rule fired. That's how he'll be good this year, um, if he is. But I, I I see this I see this four and a half points, and I know. There are some people that like, obviously, there are people that are betting Carolina because this number's been four, four and a half, you know, and the number of people that like the Jets are not moving this number. So there are people who have different opinions than us on this, um, unlike the total, which has gone up. Like, um, But I, I really do like the Jets there. And, and if you're going to bet them over six wins, this is a win they have to get kind of early on. Mm-hmm. Um, real couple quick hitters here. Um, I have a couple so here here are two predictions for after week one the one of the most overanalyzed situations in the nfl after week one is going to be the san francisco 49ers quarterback situation because kyle shanahan is going to play trey lance and i think he's going to play him 10 15 snaps and i think he's going to call the good plays with trey lance and i could see a situation where trey lance makes two highlight real throws has a couple of runs the Niners go blow the doors off the Detroit Lions by the way the total on that game 45 and a half the only thing that's keeping that from going on over is Detroit could get shut out (laughs) yeah maybe I I think Jared Goff's just kind of kind of got to let it loose I I don't think the Niners defense is going to be that good that's that's I think the key here is that there's gonna you know it's going to be tough without um, Sala, although, you know, D'Amico Ryan's getting a lot of love. Um, here's the other one. I'm curious your thoughts here. After week one, the number one threat to the Chiefs in the AFC is going to be the Cleveland Browns. Here's the, yes. And I want to talk about this because I was thinking about either writing this up or just talking about it on the show. Is there a team in the history of the NFL that has five new offensive line starters that has been this well regarded? Because I, because I think, because here's the thing: like our model likes Cleveland in this one. It's it's like basically right on the edge of having any value. The nut we our model did move towards Cleveland when it became clear the Chiefs were going to start all new players, right? Like. There was either going to be a like a Mike Remmers at right tackle or Laurent Duvernay Tardif at right guard, although they didn't play last year. It, they're going completely new slate. They're going two veterans that are new guys on the left side, three players who have never played it down on the right side, and they've looked good. Orlando Brown is what we expected, not good enough to trade that much for, but not terrible. Are they going to break the mold here, or are they somebody – because my 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 prior is almost always even when it's the Chiefs. Everybody is the rule, not the exception, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, I think there are some leakinesses to the Chiefs in Week One that Cleveland possibly could exploit, and maybe that's the reason why, much to my chagrin, the Chiefs played 
their starters a few drives the other day because they know that Cleveland is not Cleveland's not to be messed around with. Like they're a good football team. Do you think this the 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 view of the Browns comes from a loss that is competitive, or do you think it comes from a win outright in Arrowhead? I think a win is going to be tough, absolutely. But covering six, I think that's that that's a bet that I would make. I'm not sure it's my favorite on the board. I mean, the total is at 53, and yeah. you know it's, it's Mahomes and the Chiefs. But there is a confidence in what Kevin Stefanski is doing, the process around the way that the Browns have acted this preseason, the sharpness, granted, against the Atlanta Falcons, with which Baker, you know, without his starting receivers, went and played. Um, and the fact that the Browns, all, you know, they almost beat the Chiefs in in Arrowhead in a game where they didn't have all of their weapons, right? And, um, you know, you get Odell back in a situation where that offense can use him correctly. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, but it'll be also fascinating because I think the last one I was going to mention here is, okay, I could, I could see where people go, okay, Cleveland only lost by three. Um, they're a huge, you know, threat to the Chiefs now because they almost won in Arrowhead. But there's also on Monday night the Ravens go out and beat the Raiders by like 27, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you know it's it's going to be it's going to be Ravens Chiefs again. The uh, Ravens I, are four and a half point favorites in Vegas, and I'm heavy on the Ravens here. The Ravens are a team that has covered I think every single week one since 2017, and the last few of them have blown out to blown the doors mm-hmm. off the issue with the Ravens though I don't think the Ravens will be considered on par with the Chiefs until they play another competitive game with Kansas City right that's like that's because because when the Chiefs played the Ravens last year in week three they just blew them out and I think we never took the Ravens seriously after that as a contender in the AFC we said we'll we'll worry about them in the playoffs when they meet Kansas City again we sort of saw that there were two classes there the the here's the interesting question back to this Chiefs Browns game though. Okay, so week, so what was that week nineteen last year? Uh, yeah, uh, the divisional round. Kansas City was closed eight point favorites, open nine and a half point favorites. We're gonna cover that number if if Mahomes played the whole game, right? They were up like nineteen three or something, like they're nineteen six or something, and. The Browns certainly have done a lot of great things this offseason. They get Grant Delpit back. They get Troy Hill, John Johnson, Jadavian Clowney, uh, a bunch of good players. And on the offensive side of the ball, they get Beckham back. Have they gained two points of ground on the Chiefs this offseason? Especially considering last, last January, home field advantage was less than or equal to what it'll be now. They also fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm on what was going to be a touchdown. Right? Yeah, I, I'm not even looking at the result of the game. I'm more like, I'm more looking at, is is, is the pregame spread reflective of, like, it, it, have the Browns gained two points on the Chiefs? Or, yeah, or is but this that, but more... But that line was too, that line was too high. <laughs> or, or is there just more variance baked into week one? Like, we just know less about these teams. Like, I could, I could tell, I Two points feels right, but because of all the injuries the Browns had to deal with. But you like the only reason we didn't see the canary in the coal mine for the Chiefs is just they kept winning games. They didn't cover, but they kept winning games. But the Chiefs went into that game in Arrowhead 
I mean, how many starters? They had three offensive line starters out. They had their starting running back out. They had Sammy Watkins was out of that game. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, mostly healthy, but not not as good as they are this year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the Chiefs' defense is yeah. better. So, like, did we – because I do think the Chiefs have gotten better too. And so the question is, is that have the Browns gotten two points better than the Chiefs have gotten better this year? Uh, or is it just week no. one variance? No, but the but the line was too high last time. Okay, right? like it the line was oh uh, Baker Mayfield is unproven. He is you know that's where it is. It's confidence in a team that we didn't have any reason to trust before. Yeah, that that's what it is. That he he played very well in that game, mm-hmm. and I don't think you know I think you said uh, going into it like there's a chance the wheels fall off for him. Yeah. I don't think people view it as you know the market is The last game. thing I'll say about Kansas City because I I do agree with you. I do think the Browns are on the precipice of being in the class of the Chiefs. Baker played fantastic in that game other than an interception to Matthew. And the Chiefs held him to 17 points. Add the 6 for the Jarvis Landry fumble and you have 23 which is a modest score in today's NFL. Total on this game is 53, by the way. We like the over. If the the Browns only score 23, that game's going under, I think, Mm -hmm. right? I think Kansas City's defense is pretty good. And I think last season they were not quite as good uh, talent-wise, and they just do a really good job of containing other teams, right? Second in the NFL to the Rams in terms of yards surrendered to wide receivers. I feel like there's this weird thing where like a quarterback can play really well against them and they still not score that many points. I feel like Spag just like runs four corners with the other team's offense and you look up and you're like, oh, geez, the Chiefs didn't even have that great a game offensively, but they held the Falcons to 14 points, that kind of thing. So I wonder, I do wonder if that's baked in, like if I'm worried, are you worried about the over in this game, for example? Um, I am a little concerned about it, especially because I'll bring this up about the Browns. The way that they've built their defense is very much, let's stop Kansas City. You know, there's a ton of, like, why do you invest in safeties like that? Because Travis Kelsey is a fucking monster. And (laughs) no one on that team could cover Kelsey in the It was, the the middle of the field was an absolute disaster. And, um, And we talked about that before, like you called that out 100%. What's interesting to me, and this is the last point I'll make because I wanted to bring up the Bills. The Bills right now are the team that people view as being second best to the Chiefs. And I have an interesting take here, which is the Bills are a better team than the Browns. But the Browns might have a better chance of beating the Chiefs head to head. And the reason for that is the way that Stefanski is able to call the game and potentially the one area where Baker is better than Josh Allen, which is he is going to make the less sexy plays happen more frequently with Stefanski, whereas Josh Allen's reliance on the fact that he can do these you know incredible things and make these spectacular plays, but that's where the Chiefs are strongest, actually hurts them a little bit. Um, and I think that'll be fascinating to watch over the course of this season. I'll say, yeah, I agree. Uh, here's my thing with Buffalo. I think the only direction Buffalo can go is down. Well, like I think, <laughs> I, I think they're a team that is maxed out, and I mean this in a positive way. I think Sean McDermott over three seasons, four seasons now, has done about as well as you can do. 
right? I think Les Frazier has done about as well as you can do. I, I think Brian Dable has done about as well as you can do. And when you only have one player in your front seven that's paid top 20 money and he's Matt Milano, like how much better are you going to get there? I know Gregory Rousseau was drafted, but not a great athlete. And and in your secondary, all three of those guys are getting a little older. Now White's in the prime of his career, but Hyde and Poyer are, are getting a little older. The right cornerback position is always a question mark for them. And then, I mean, we've all been fooled. We've all been wrong about Josh Allen. Can he make another step? I mean, the step he made last year was almost unprecedented in the history of the NFL. Statistically speaking, he's probably going to regress. He's not going to regress to being terrible. I think he'll still be a top five, six quarterback in the NFL. But, like, they were getting otherworldly production out of him last year. And then you look at the other – the offensive lines, okay, like, but not, like, not as good as Cleveland's. Mm-hmm. And the weapons – like I like Gabriel Davis. He had a great game against the twos for the uh, Packers on Saturday. But like Diggs did about as well as Diggs can do last year. Amazing football player. You have the obviously the anti-vax issue, right? What Where about you, Sanders. S- Sanders is old, man. Like Sanders. Look at your ageism here. I'm just saying, like, I just a hater. I'm just trying to like statistically speaking, it's hard. This is what might be frustrating being a Bills fan. Is you are a great football team, and you have done a fantastic job of assembling a team that is, you know, uh, two or three points worse on the point spread than the Chiefs. And you might just be that way for a while. Yes. And you might have to wait for the Chiefs to slip up for you to have your chance. Because I, I agree with you. I think the team like the Browns, I think a team like maybe the Ravens and maybe Tennessee, although I don't see it, those teams have more upside, but none of those teams are as good as the Bills right now. Yeah. I, I think um, – I do believe – we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I believe we talked about it with Nora Princiati a few months back, a month back. Um, Josh Allen does have room to improve. I like some some like obvious rooms of, of – like where you can continue to improve. And it might not look as awesome as it did last year but it could improve in areas that will allow them to have a better chance to beat the Chiefs. Because going into it right now, I, I do believe the Browns are that team that in a head-to-head matchup um, uh, scare, would scare me a little bit more as a Chiefs fan, even though Josh Allen is the quarterback that I would rather have over the course of the season. And yeah. it's not, that, that's not particularly The Browns do things that the Chiefs struggle with too. Like they're physical in the run game. They are, yeah, they're physical in the run game, and they can gash you. You have a dominant offensive line. Dominant offensive line. And the Chiefs, like, the Chiefs have, like, a couple weaknesses. One of them is that they can't get edge pressure. But their interior defensive line is amazing. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know. I'm on this this hill, and it might just be because I'm a Kansas City fan. But I do think the Chiefs' defense is good enough to win because of right now. Whereas previous years, they were a, you can tolerate them on your way to winning. I think that they're good enough to win with now, mm-hmm. win because of now. But there are teams that I think give them a harder cha- uh, harder shot. That's also like Buffalo too. Like Buffalo is optimized in a different way than Cleveland is. Mm-hmm. And I think when you face Kansas City almost to the detriment. Let's close out here with a little bit on rookies. We had a lot of debate this offseason about whether the Bengals should choose P- 
Panay Sewell mm -hmm. or Jamar Chase. And um, if you look at first round offensive players in the preseason, and granted the preseason, you know, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but you probably would have been surprised to find out that there are two players who have like a really scary grade, like a scary PFF grade. Um, and those two players are Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. They're the only two players, uh, rookie first rounders, with BFF grades below 40. Yeah, um, good Bob. And uh, here's, here's, I think, the stat that, um, that everyone needs to, to hear, which is Jamar Chase has um, been targeted five times. He has four drop passes and one reception. Um, also has some not so good things floating uh, out about him on on social media. Some pot potentially domestic violence issues with his. You've just been living in a cave, apparently. I have not seen this. I did see a tweet. So his uh, pregnant girlfriend tweeted an Instagram story, calling him a p word, um, saying that he hit, uh, insinuating that he hit her and she's pregnant. Well, shit. So it is not looking good no. <laughs> for Jamar Chase. No. Panay Sewell um, has not performed particularly well. Now, Panay Sewell also has played, um, you know, it's not a ton of snaps. I mean, Jamar Chase has played like 11 passing snaps. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but are you concerned at all about either of them? Well, of course, with the chase thing, you have to be. I mean, domestic violence is is certainly nothing to to overlook. Um, as players, this is exactly the reason why you talk about value in the draft. You don't talk about need because Panay Sewell was not going to fill a need for for whoever drafted him. Right? Statistically speaking, offensive linemen do crappy in year one right Andrew Thomas was the top offensive lineman taken in 2020 and he played like shit last year for most of the season right uh, Jedrick Wills was like just okay right Tristan Wirfs played amazingly and we kind of know why though like you're in a good circumstance Tom Brady does a good job protecting you and that's fine that's to be expected no one's looking at Andrew Thomas and be like wow what a freaking bum no we're expecting him to do better in your, your, you know, year two. And that was always the problem with Darashaw. That was always the problem with Slater. And it was always the problem with Sewell. If you, the Bengals, the people are like, oh, you have to draft Sewell to make sure that, that to Joe Burrow doesn't get killed. Mm -hmm. When? Now? Because right now he's a replacement level lineman. And like, and, and you would be playing, the Detroit's playing him out of position. The Bengals would have been too. He was not going to move Jonah Williams over to right tackle. So he'd been playing right tackle or guard there. And so to so to to advocate for Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase at pick five was not seeing what the draft is for. The draft is for making your team better in years you know three, four, and five, right? And if you're lucky, you're one and two, right? So, you know, we look at this and we say, okay, I, I look at this and I say, well, you know, that sucks that Chase, you know, has obviously could have legal troubles here, also can't catch the football. I think that's more, I think the catching the football thing is more correctable. I think drops are more noise than being physically mauled early on in your career.
Yes. I do, I am curious to know whether the Jamar Chase issues are related. Like, are you, are, is he freaking out mentally and can't, like, you know, figure out what the hell he's doing on a football field? I, I don't know. I, would, I mean, that's a pretty terrible situation <laughs> to put yourself in. Well, and, I would and, hope you're freaking out, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. If, if the allegations are true, then, and you have any sort of morals, if you're not a complete sociopath, you're probably you're probably you know yes. and, and have trouble concentrating on football. Yeah, and if they're made up, you're probably pretty upset you're, too, you're, you're right? So well. like, you yeah, know. it'll it'll um it'd be interesting. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle have not exactly lit it up, but you know it's. And by the way, the Dolphins made the exact same choice, right? The Dolphins true. took a wide receiver over Panay Sewell, and it's not exactly true that the Dolphins' line is great, and they also have a young quarterback who has more injury history to protect. And they, in my opinion, made the right choice with Waddle, uh, a player that many teams had over Chase, um, even despite the injuries. And it does sound like Waddle is not as healthy uh, as advertised early on. Uh, bonus prediction for you after week one. Uh, the Miami Dolphins make a real, like, really start looking at other quarterback options. Wow. Because Tua has actually looked fairly good. Yeah. To a, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to use my preseason. I'm not going to use the preseason to adjust priors in any way. But when I watched two, I was like, oh, that looks good. But he had that kind of game last year against Arizona, too. He, you know, so yeah, I think, I mean, let's see. I hope let's they see start happens. Mac Jones. I hope they start Mac Jones. Let's see what happens week one. We let's get talk two about Alabama quarterbacks. quarterbacks against each other week one. So let's talk about these quarterbacks. We, we mentioned that the grading here. I'll just say this, okay? Trey, so Trey Lance has had this weird preseason. He's been sacked more than any other quarterback. He has more turnover plays than their quarterback. He also has had nine of his like twenty-seven pass attempts dropped, <laughs> which is banana land. But is clearly dynamic as an athlete. Has not been allowed to run really yet. Justin Fields has has played has played well. Has not been, you know, quite as good at avoiding the turnover with these situations as Mac Jones and Zach Wilson have. Trevor Lawrence finally looked good getting the ball out more quickly um, in the last preseason game. And I just think it's very clear that all five of these guys should be playing in week one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's the takeaway that I have. It's not to say, oh, let me rank them this way or one's better than the other or any of this bullshit. The, the clear takeaway is put all five of these fucking guys on the field week one. If not, you are you're just wasting time. You're just wasting what we deserve as football fans just mm -hmm. to see these players play. I, I, you know, Drew Brees said it on the the broadcast, and I was like, I would, you know, I'll play Andy Dalton. Why? <laughs> this is no point. To give yourself a worse well, no, chance like, of winning the game? I don't know if I said this on the last show, but the idea that you need to protect this guy from the the big bad Rams coached by Raheem Morris like come on like this is if the guy's ready to start against some NFL teams but not others he's ready to start against all NFL teams right so there's that there's also the economy of the game right there's no reason Mac Jones should not be playing for the Patriots like we know that he can go out there and play like that that's the one thing I will say from the preseason like St statistics are, a th are certainly a thing. We There are aspects of it that have signal in the preseason, so on and so forth. There are, most of it is noise. 
all of these quarterbacks look like they belong in the NFL in the preseason. There was no – like, I'll tell you this. Kellen Mond is somebody I kind of liked coming out of college. He does not look like he freaking belongs on a football field in the NFL right now, right? None of the – and that sometimes happens to first-round guys. EJ Manuel looked like dog shit when he first got out there. Um, you know, Geno Smith was kind of similarly weird out there. Josh Rosen was <laughs> like, and Rosen got some run tonight. All of these guys look like NFL quarterbacks. So play them all. Like play them all. Like what is what are we doing here? Even the Jaguars taking practice reps away from Trevor Lawrence to to what to Gardner Minshew. I don't mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. Um. Mac Jones, by the way, six big time throws, not a single turnover worthy play. Um, he has doubled, uh, yeah, doubled the next closest. Justin Fields has three has three big time throws. Now, um, Mac Jones has played more snaps, but it's impressive. Only he and, and Zach Wilson have avoided a turnover worthy play in, in this preseason. Zach Wilson has not um, taken a sack yet and is getting rid of the ball in checks notes was it 2.4 um seconds so yeah put all these guys in that's speaking of a young quarterback by the way uh falcons quarterback josh rosen discussing his debut he said the package grew during the game and that was his problem first uh three years in the league just a small package that's how we're gonna end our first uh post Sunday night football podcast of the 2021 season. We're going to do this. Obviously next Sunday is um, in the middle of Labor Day weekend. There are no uh, games that day. So we're not going to do a live podcast that night. However, we are planning. We've been waiting on the NFC and AFC South previews because there were some, we didn't know who's going to be the quarterbacks and they're both very exciting divisions. So our plan is to have those over the course of the next week. And then obviously with week one starting, we will do this live post game. Uh, and see where it takes us. We'll start guessing lines um, soon enough. Do not worry. Thank you guys for hanging out. We love you all. Thanks.